This is session number three on First Thessalonians five twenty three to twenty eight, and we focus on this amazing passage of verse twenty four. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So let's read what goes just before to nail down what it refers to, even though you could say. Uh, it refers to this call, and that wouldn't be wrong. But let's see. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. So he's praying first that God would sanctify them, make them holy, bring them into the fullest possible experience in spirit and soul and body of the holiness that God has called them to. And secondly, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we spent last time talking about how this blamelessness has a double meaning in the sense that when we are reconciled to God by faith, Christ's perfect blamelessness is counted as ours, but that's not an adequate explanation for how this word is used here or elsewhere. There is also the work of God sanctifying you completely to this end. And we argued that the blamelessness that we have in Christ must be confirmed by God's ongoing work in our life. So it isn't our sanctification and our holiness that establishes us perfect in Christ. Rather, our perfection in Christ by virtue of a free, gracious reconciliation is what is underneath and empowering to all the ongoing sanctification. And now he says, all right, Those two things, keeping us in Christ as believers and sanctifying us to confirm that we are in Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He'll do that. He'll do that and he'll do that or that. Father, I pray that as we hear this resounding promise, this glorious promise, which is surely intended to make us feel bold and confident and unshakable in our expectation of your coming and our meeting you without fear so that we can be the most valiant of all Christians and witnesses in the world. Oh God, seal this to us. Help us to see what your faithfulness really does imply about your keeping. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. One way to say this is that all the called are kept. All the called are kept. Because he said, may God keep you blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus, doing whatever he must by way of sanctification and justification, doing whatever he must to keep us acceptable and blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. May he, may he do that 
And then it says, he's faithful. He's called you. He'll do it. All the called will be kept. All the called will be kept. And the connection between the two, I can't fit it on the screen, so I'll put it up here like this, is God's faithfulness. So that's what we want to talk about for a moment. He is faithful. He'll do this. The call secures the doing of the keeping. Can you, can you work that out in your mind? If, if you are called, can you say, because of my call, the faithfulness of God binds him to keep me? How so? Let's work that out. So notice the connection between calling, faithfulness, keeping here in 1 Corinthians. God will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of the Lord Jesus. God is faithful by whom you were called. See it? Exactly the same logic. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, he will do it. He will sustain you to the end. So calling plus faithfulness means security, means keeping. He will keep us. Here's 1 Thessalonians 2.12. I exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So the calling he has in mind here in 1 Thessalonians is not a calling to a vocation or a job or a marriage or anything like that. This is the calling that happens at conversion. We were walking obliviously through life. Christ meant nothing to us. The Bible was boring to us. And God intervened into our lives with this divine call into his own kingdom and glory. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 describes it's also a call to holiness. For God has not called us for impurity. He's not called us to impurity, but in holiness. So it's a calling to Christ, a calling to his glory, a calling to a way of holiness that leads to his glory. Now, how is it that that calling is so sure that it will result in our being kept perfect for the day of Christ? Here's the key text, Romans 8, 29 to 30. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. In other words, between predestination and glorification, there are no dropouts. It is a perfect, iron-clad, golden chain of salvation wrought by the sovereign grace of God. He predestined us, he called us, he justified the called, and he glorified the justified. And you might ask, why didn't he put in here those whom he called believed, and those who believed were justified? Because clearly Paul taught, in Romans 5, since we have been justified by faith, nobody's justified apart from believing. So why does Paul not say those whom he called 
he brought to faith, or those whom he called, believed, and those who believed were justified. And the reason he didn't, probably, is because in his mind, that word right there includes the divine creation of faith. Look at 1 Corinthians one twenty-two. See if you don't agree. Jews demand signs. Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. That turns out to be a stumbling block to the Jews who are demanding signs. It turns out to be folly to the Gentiles or the Greeks who are seeking wisdom. They want wisdom, they get folly, a crucified Messiah. They want a sign, they get a stumbling block, a crucified Messiah. So there's two groups of people, the Jews and the Greeks, who are listening to Paul preach, and when they hear him preach Christ crucified, the Jews say, I can't get over that stumbling block, and the Greeks say, I can't get over that foolishness. So who's left to be saved in response to this preaching? Answer, but to those who are called. Now, let's just stop right there and think. The Greeks and the Jews have been preached to, and in that sense called, right? Paul looked out over that whole crowd, and he called to them, come, believe. If you will have Christ, you will have forgiveness. If you will have Christ, all the wrath of God will be removed from you. If you will have Christ, you will have eternal life. He called them. And in that sense, God called them. But they weren't called. They weren't in this group because this says, but to those who were called, which doesn't include those who are stumbling and those who find the cross folly. The called experience the cross differently than a stumbling block and folly. The called, both Jews and Greeks, so some of these and some of these, Christ, in response to the preaching, is seen as the power of God and the wisdom of God. In other words, they were given eyes to see. They were given life. This call here is the call from death. Lazarus, remember John 11, where Jesus stood before the tomb of the dead man, and he called, Lazarus, come out. And the call created life. That's how you got saved. If you're saved, that's how it happened. You were called. So when it says here, all the called are justified, that's because to be called is to have faith and eyes and life created in your heart. So we begin our Christian life by this divine, sovereign, effective call, and then it keeps going. 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful faithful to you called, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He's going to keep you. This is his keeping. He won't let you be tempted beyond your ability. 
but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. No testing will befall you that will destroy you if you are among the called, because God is faithful. Now, that faithfulness, remember, is what we're saying secures the connection between the calling and the keeping, right? God, keep them. Keep John Piper. Keep all those who are listening to look at the book right now. Keep them. Make them wake up believers tomorrow morning. Guard them from life-destroying sin. Hold on to them. Remember the song, He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast, for my Savior loves me so. That's what's going on here. So the called are kept because of the faithfulness of God. One last text to show the ultimate ground of faithfulness. The saying is trustworthy. If we've died with him, we'll live with him. If we endure, we'll reign with him. If we deny him, he'll deny us. But he's not going to let that happen. (laughs) He's not going to let that happen to the called. The called are going to be kept. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. In what sense? In this sense. He cannot deny himself. His ultimate faithfulness is to himself. So the ground, the ultimate ground here is that God is faithful to himself, meaning that if he has called us out of death into life and he has put faith in our hearts and he has given us all the promises that are yes and blood-bought in Christ, this faithfulness to himself and his integrity binds him to keep us. This is a glorious salvation. I really hope and pray that he who calls you is faithful. He will do it. That is, he will keep you, will help you go to sleep tonight. I tell you, I ask people all the time, why do you think you will wake up a Christian tomorrow morning? That is, why do you think that given your penchant for sin and doubt and unbelief, Why do you think that you will wake up a believer tomorrow morning? This is the answer. It's not you. (laughs) Your free will or your resolve is not going to suffice. This is the answer. He who called you and calls you is faithful. He'll wake you up a Christian tomorrow morning. And every morning after that, until you are kept blameless at the coming of the Lord.